Since Easter, we have been one church in three locations. So last Easter, we launched in Hagley, and we became one church in two locations. And then Easter just gone, we launched in Raleigh Regis, and we became one church in three locations. And what I want to focus in on tonight is what does it mean to be one? What does it mean to be one church in three locations? Because we're not Hales Owen Church, and then Hagley Church, and then Raleigh Church. We are one church in three separate locations. So what does it mean for us to be one church? You know, unity is so important. And actually, it's it's quite like trust in that it's really hard to gain, but it's really easy to lose. You know, in sports, uh, you know, when, when you play a team sport, you can know when you've got a chance to win and when you're when your opponents are falling apart because their unity begins to go. I know when I've played football and I've seen like the lads on the other team start getting at each other's throats, start blaming each other, start having a go at each other, start getting disunified, I begin to say to my team, their heads have gone. Their heads have fallen off and we can win this. If we stay together and we keep doing what we're doing, they'll keep being disunited. If we stay united, we can be winners in this match. You know... um, Jürgen Klopp, who is the Liverpool Football Club manager, um, he spoke about a week ago, weirdly, on Brexit. And it was really weird that he got asked some questions about Brexit. And I want to use what he said not to make a comment about Brexit, because the Lord knows we've had enough comments about Brexit and we're fed up about hearing it. But what he said is really interesting when it comes to thinking about unity, because he said this, history has always shown that when we stay together, we can sort out the problems. When we split, then we start fighting. There was not one time in history where division created success. That's powerful, isn't it? There was not one time in history where division created success. We have got to fight and be um, determined to be one church and stick together. You know, no passage in the Bible deals with this more comprehensively than Ephesians 4. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time. The Bible verses aren't going to come up on the screen. So you might want to get Ephesians 4 out on your Bible. You might want to get your Bible app out on your phone. Um, You might want to lean over and look at someone else's if you've not brought yours. Um, But we're going to start right at the beginning of Ephesians 4. And it says this, I'm reading from the NIV version. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all and in all. It says there, make every effort to keep the bond of unity through the power of the Spirit. Make every effort. When it says make every effort, it's like a determination, doesn't it? It's like it's got to be front and centre. It's got to be something that we're obsessed with. Um, you know, I talked a few months ago, I think at an all-in service, that I was doing the Couch to 5K program. I've actually completed the Couch to 5K program, which is very exciting. In fact, last night, me and my wife ran 10K together um, through Romsley, which is even a bigger achievement. It was hard work. Um, 
But Saturday, just gone, we went and did a park run. I went with Jack and Jess. Jess lives with us. She was on a quip last year, and Jess and Jack are engaged. Laura was working, so I kind of crashed their Saturday date and went to the park run with them. And now, Jack, what you need to know about Jack is he is the most competitive human being in the entire world. And his competition and competitiveness makes other people competitive. So I'm sat in their car and I, 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 we're going to Dudley for this park run. And I'm thinking to myself, I cannot let Jack beat me today. Jack has not done much 5K, he's not done much running. Um, I've been doing lots of it. I've been working hard trying to, trying to get fit. And, and I was thinking the worst thing that could happen to me this, this morning is that Jack Smith runs past me. So I thought, I am going to make every effort to make sure I beat him. So we started, and Jack went into the lead, and I was like, just having to have a little like, team talk with myself and like, compose yourself, Andy. Don't, like, don't kill yourself at the start. But eventually, after two or three minutes, I overtook him, and then it was just in my head. The entire 5K, all I was thinking was, don't let Jack pass you. And like, I would get tired, I would get worn out, I would like, begin to start breathing heavy and think, slow down. And as soon as I thought, slow down, I thought, no, Jack will not pass. Jack cannot get past me. And in fact, in the end, I beat him by about a kilometre, which was delightful. And you know, all I could think of in that race, in that time, I ran 30 seconds per kilometre faster than I've ever run before because I was making every effort to make sure that I finished ahead of Jack. We're going again on Saturday. And I know he's been training to try and beat me this week. So it's getting a little bit competitive. But you know, I made every effort. I did everything I could. I pushed hard and hard. And you know, there's so much good stuff that is going on in our church. God is at work in so many different ways in the life of our church. There are people coming every week to every location for the first time, loving it and wanting to come again. God is at work in the life of our church. There are people continuing to follow Jesus, continuing to connect with us off the back of the Alpha courses that we recently ran. There are children and young people making first-time decisions to follow Jesus. Some of them making second, third, and 15th-time commitments. I was there when I was a teenager, and I did that as well. Our young adults ministry is the biggest that it's ever been before, which is so, so exciting. You know, we are getting uh, young leaders from outside of this church applying for our Equip program. There's an attractiveness about what's going on here that young leaders want to come and serve and be a part of Life Central. You know, we, we are... Having God lead us to the lost, lead us to our community, lead us to people. We're hearing stories all the time of you guys inviting your friends, inviting your family, people that you've prayed for for years or making decisions to come to church and follow Jesus, which is so, so exciting. But you know what? The enemy would love to derail it. The enemy would love to get a little way in and begin to disunify us. We have to make every effort to keep unity at the front and centre and, you know, I think when looking at Ephesians 3, there, there are three things that come up that, uh, that I want to focus in on, that are things that I think we need to be wary of and I think that we need to think about when it comes to thinking about unity. Unfortunately, they all begin with C. And the first one is comparison. In verse 11, it says, So Christ gave... Sorry, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If we are going to become mature as a church, we all have to play our role. We have all got a role to play. Jesus has ordained a spot for each and every one of us in his church, in his one body, for us all to play. There's a famous story when um, JFK was on a tour of NASA and he's in the middle of this tour and a janitor comes in and interrupts and starts sweeping the floor. And JFK says, excuse me, sir, what are you doing? And the janitor says, well, Mr. President, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. There's a man who understood his role. He could have said, what do you think I'm doing? I'm picking up the rubbish off the floor because no one else will do it because I get left with that job because I'm not clever enough to go into space. I'm not good at math, so I can't go in an astronaut. So I get stuck. I didn't pass my exam, so I got stuck sweeping the floor and picking up the rubbish. No. He said, I'm playing my role. And my role is that I am sweeping the floor so that we can put a man on the moon. Guys, let's not compare ourselves to each other. Let's understand the role that God has ordained for each and every one of us in this church. You know, it would be so easy for us to compare and us to get competitive with each other. It would be so easy for Rowley and Hagley to begin to compare and get competitive. It would be easy for Joe as location leader, Hagley and Simon for location leader, Rowley, to begin to compare, oh, well, who had more numbers this week? Who got more in the offering? Who's getting more in the budget? Who's, who got more people to offer? It would be so easy for that to happen. It would be so easy for youth and kids to begin to get competitive and, you know, for, for me and Sam to begin to sit down and go, well, well who had more people on Friday night who had more people at this who who's engaging with more parents it would be so easy for life groups to begin to get competitive and life groups to begin to go well we're doing we're doing these things in our life group we're a really close-knit group in our life group we're better than any of the other life groups we are doing better socials like it would be so easy for us to get competitive in so many ways but you know what we need to cheer each other on we need to not compete against each other, but compete together for the greatest prize, which is the lost being won for Jesus. Let's compete together. Let's cheer each other on. Let's celebrate success. You know, I cannot wait for the night that there's more, more kids in free runners than there is young people in hub. Not because, I hope it's not, and I'm praying, it's not because the hub numbers take a massive dive. That would be an issue. But, you know, if hope numbers are thriving and free runners numbers are thriving, do you know what? I'm going to take the next gen team out for a meal the night that happens. I cannot wait. They're celebrating that already. <laughs> like, I cannot wait. Why? Because I want to celebrate our success as a church. I want to celebrate when stuff goes on at Hagley and, and people turn to Jesus at Hagley or at Raleigh. I want to celebrate when life groups are growing. I want to celebrate together. We achieve and we celebrate together. Let's cheer each other on. Let's not compare. Let's not look at Dan, who's a phenomenal worship leader, and go, do you know what? I am not that cool and I'm not that good at singing. I'll never be able to serve in this church. Do you know what? There is a place for each and every person to serve and play a role in this church. Let's not compare ourselves to each other and go, I'm not as good as them, therefore I can't play a role. We can each play a role. God has ordained a role for you. The second C that I want to look at is a little bit more interesting. It's conflict. In verse 15, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. 
speaking the truth in love. Isn't that a corker? I'm going to tell you this in love. Do you know, a young person pulled me aside a couple of weeks ago um, at cruise and said, Andy, can I have a word with you? I was like, yeah, of course you can. He said, now, when I say this, I'm not trying to be funny and I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm thinking, oh, here we go. He's essentially saying, I'm telling you this in love. And he said, Andy, I think you're getting a bit fat. <laughs> Honestly, no word of a lie. I said, what do you mean? He said, I just, I think you're putting a bit of weight on. And I was like, but, but I've been running. If anything, I've lost weight. And I started getting defensive. And he said, no, I just, I looked at you on Sunday and you turned to the side and I thought, you're getting a bit fat. Honestly, so that was the first time I've ever punched a teenager in the face. <laughs> so, you know, when we say speaking the truth in love, it's not like a, a statement that if you say, you can then say anything after it. You know, like when, when, you, when you are in a meeting or chatting with someone and you say, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, that does give you a license to say anything controversial. But when you say, I'm, I'm going to tell you this in love, that doesn't then give you a license to go no holds barred and say what you want. We've got to speak the truth in love with each other. Know whether you've got the authority to speak into somebody's life like that. Think about the words and the way that you communicate it. You know, it goes on to say in verse 25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Remember I said about making every effort? This is where the rubber hits the road. Because, you know, when I was tired, when I was fed up, when I was struggling on that run, those were the times when I didn't want to make every effort. But that was the time when I had to make every effort. That was the time when I had to push through. And, you know, too often I think we let, we let offence and bitterness just simmer and we just go do you know what if, if I don't deal with it, it it might just blow over and then something else happens and it builds and it builds and eventually it becomes this massive thing that actually it never needed to be that big in the first place I looked at the meaning of the word foothold and it frightened me it says this a place where a person's foot can be lodged to support to support them securely goes on to say a secure position from which further progress can be made. If I read that verse again, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry and don't, let, and don't give the devil a secure position from which further progress can be made. That's terrifying, isn't it? Let's not allow the devil a foothold. I don't want to give the devil a place in my life where he can have a secure place from where he can make advances. I don't want that in my relationships. I don't want that in our ministry. I don't want that in our church. Let's not allow the sun to go down on our anger. Let's deal with it in a, in a, in a calm and, and a mature way. It says in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander. I don't think there's much brawling or slander in our church. I hope not anyway. Maybe it's just in the elders' meetings. Uh, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I wonder if there's any conflict 
here that needs to be resolved. If there's any conflict that you are involved in that needs to be resolved. Jesus in the Bible says that if there is conflict between two people, you get together and you, you try and figure it out and hopefully you come together with the same heart to seek a resolution. And the majority of times, coming together in a mature way like that does bring out a resolution. But if it doesn't, the Bible says, then you bring, up, you bring in a third party, somebody who's normally a leader, someone who's a bit more mature, somebody who's impartial, who can help mediate. You know, it's not, it's not a friend who's going to back you up and like that status that you put up on Facebook and, and be like, yeah, I've got your back. If they start, I'll, I'll jug in as well. Like, it's a mediator, someone who's impartial, somebody who can help you communicate effectively to find a resolution. Maybe tonight... God would challenge you to resolve some conflict. Maybe tonight, God would challenge you to get rid of a foothold that you've allowed the devil to take. Maybe he would lead you away from bitterness and rage and anger and lead us towards compassion, kindness and forgiveness. The final C is criticism. We've been doing a series with the young people called My Big Fat Mouth. And uh, it's all about the words that we say and how we use our big fat mouths. And it's been, it's been an amazing series. We've taken it from Life Church in America from Craig Rochelle. And um, as I've been preparing it and delivering the talks, I've, I've really felt God challenge me on some stuff. Like it's the most I've ever been challenged writing talks because I'm writing it and going, oh, yeah, I need to apply that one. Um, and, but it's been amazing. And, and we've talked a little bit about criticism and in Ephesians 4:29 it says do not let any unwholesome unhelpful talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen now I'm not talking about constructive criticism like mentoring and coaching I'm talking about mean-spirited words that are designed to destruct words are designed that are designed to belittle things and people you know, let me say, you have no idea how much criticism can hurt a person's heart. You have no idea how a word that we say in criticism, somebody could carry for years. And if you don't believe me, think about the words of criticisms that you've carried in your heart for years. The times where you've stewed over what somebody has said while you've been washing the dishes, whilst you've been doing stuff and thinking, I can't believe they said that. That's bang out of order. Am I really like that? You have no idea how much a harsh word of criticism can hurt someone's heart. On the other side, you have no idea how much God could use a, word, a single word of encouragement to build somebody up. In other words, yours and my big fat mouth has power. And the words we say are effective. The words we say have the power to build life or to bring death. When it comes to criticism, I think there's two two types of people we can be a fault finder you know when somebody's annoyed you and you, you've found fault in somebody and they've upset you everything about them begins to annoy you the way that they walk the way that they eat the way that they drive the way that they wear their clothes the way that they post on social media the way that they parent their children the way that they worship God the way that they sit in church everything about them suddenly becomes really annoying and irritating and just the thought of them makes you want to punch a wall when we become fault finders we can find all sorts of things wrong when we're looking at the fault 
And the scary thing is, is when we do that and when we become fault finders, we become like the devil. The Bible's got all sorts of names for the devil, the deceiver, the devourer, the prince of darkness, the father of lies. The Bible also calls the devil an accuser. And he says that the, the Bible says that uh, the devil accuses the people before God daily. See, when we accuse people before God, we become like the enemy. We can be constantly pointing out faults, looking for wrong. And sometimes we think it makes us look bigger, smarter, funnier, but it doesn't. It just makes us look insecure and mean. And it can be really ugly sometimes. And, you know, I think sometimes we criticize because we don't have context. You know, I've been in a shop and seen a, 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 a toddler throwing a tantrum and I've thought, looked at the parents and thought, well, you sort your child out. But I have no idea what it is like to go round Merry Hill with a two-year-old having only had four hours sleep and they've been crying all day and you're hungry and you're trying to get back to this place in time. I have no idea, so I have no place to criticise because I don't understand the context. Sometimes we need to think about the context of what is going on behind the behaviour, what is going on so that we don't criticise out of context. Here's the kicker when it comes to being a fault finder. I have never met a critical person that I want to be like. I've never met a fault finder and thought, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. Bands, could you make your way back up, please? You see, we can be a fault finder or we can be a hope dealer. That's hope, not dope. You see, Jesus was a hope dealer. Jesus' name is synonymous with being the hope of the world. When Jesus interacted and engaged with people, he dealt in hope. He spoke words of life. When he was met with the woman who was caught in adultery, who the Pharisees dragged out a bunch of fault finders going, she's done this wrong, she is out of order. The Bible says that this should happen and this and this and this and a point on our faults. And Jesus said, let, let him who's without sin cast the first stone and slowly they walked away. And then Jesus says, where are your accusers? Who condemns you now? And she says, they're gone. And Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Go in the hope that you can move on from this. Go in the hope of new life. Jesus dealt hope. He was a hope dealer. You know, I want to be a person who whose words deal hope, whose words build life into people. I want people to feel like they can achieve when they're around me because of the words that I say. I don't want to be a person who criticizes and belittles and pulls people down. I want to be a person that speaks life, not death, into people. You know, let's let's begin to assume the best in each other, not expect the worst. Let's try and understand the context. Let's not compare ourselves to each other. Let's not compete against, but let's compete together. Let's deal with our conflict. Let's speak the truth in love and do it properly. Let's not criticize, but let's be dealers of hope. Let's speak life into each other, into our community, and into our world. I wonder if we could 
stand before we begin to respond. And why don't you close your eyes? And I just want to read that opening bit of Ephesians to you and then I'm going to pray and we're going to see what God might want to do with what we've talked about. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Father God, I pray that we will be one church. God, that we will be a church that makes every effort to maintain unity. God, I pray that you would help us to not compare, help us to not compete against one another, but compete together. God, I pray that you would help us to deal with conflict in a, in a healthy way. God, would you help us to not let the sun go down on our anger? God, would you lead us to kindness, compassion, and forgiveness? God, I pray that you would help us to understand that our big fat mouths have power. God, would we be hope dealers, not fault finders? Would we speak life, not death? God, I pray that you would be at work by the power of your Holy Spirit in every inch of this one church. God, in all of our locations, in all of our ministries, in all of our life groups. Holy Spirit, we pray that we would not give the enemy a foothold that we would not give him a place of security by which he can advance. But God, I pray that in unity, together, as one body, God, would we begin to take back ground? Would we begin to advance into the enemy's territory? God, would you lead us into our community? God, would you lead us into our world? Would you lead us to be hope dealers? God, in a world that is starved of hope. God, I pray that we might speak life, that we might speak hope, that we might speak security, that we might speak faith. God, might we speak love into our world. God, where the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, you come to give life. So God, I pray that you would lead us to where we need to respond to now. God, would you, would you do in us what needs to be done so that we might be one in the power of your Holy Spirit.